Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Well, welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, Amy McCarty. Uh, Amy McCarty works with RootWorks, and I am going to let you, Amy, do a self-intro because you will do a much better job than I will. Thank you, Rachel. I am excited to be here on your podcast with both you and Marcus. So I'm uh, my name is Amy, as Rachel already said. I'm the director of education at RootWorks, which is a consulting organization inside of the accounting space. And so I've been in the industry for 20 plus years, not dating myself, but, and then a coach here at RootWorks for a little over nine years. It's funny how those years add up, but like our age doesn't change. I don't, I don't really know how that happens or we were just so blessed to start working when we were like five. So I think that <laughs> yes, we, we were just exceptional it's as children. Benjamin Button, you age backwards, right? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Well, Marcus, uh, let the listeners know how we came to know Amy. Yeah. So we joined uh, RootWorks about 10 years ago. And I think we probably got Amy like on day one uh, and they just didn't tell us, hey, we're getting, we're giving you this rookie coach who actually turned out to uh, be a huge asset to both us personally, the business, our family, everything like that. So couldn't imagine our life without Amy McCarty in it. Um, But yeah, she's been there as really an extension of DBA for the past decade, I would say. And um, a lot of our team members have come to know her over the years and have leaned on her for support. And obviously from a technical standpoint, but then also from like a coaching standpoint to help us in our business, just avoid mistakes, lean into successes, all that fun stuff. So Amy's been a part of us for a while. Yeah. So Amy, you started like right when I started pretty much <laughs> about yeah. the, about the same time we've been around the same amount of time. And I know that you were like my saving grace most of the time. So, um, we had no idea if you were new or not, but you knew a whole lot more about the software and technology that we were trying to implement than we did. And so definitely helped us out a lot there. So we have gotten so many benefits out of our coaching relationship um, that then turned into a friendship very soon after we started the, I guess, professional relationship. And I know that it feels like the space of business is full of coaches. Um, It doesn't matter what industry, there are coaches now who are kind of selling their services, the experience, the wisdom, the things that they've learned, Uh, but not all business coaches are created equal for sure. And so really wanted to talk with you specifically um, today about what a day in the life looks like, what um, your successful clients and accounting firms look like, what the not so successful clients and accounting firms look like. But before we get started, I want to ask you, we ask all of our guests, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It's a great question. So I had time to think about that before this session here. 
And the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten is that the speed at which you move forward is variable. And the, the direction is what doesn't change. So always trying to be better than you were the day before, always trying to move forward. And even if you take two steps back, you're still farther forward than when you originally started. So that's gotta be my favorite. It doesn't matter how fast or how slow. Sometimes we want to move faster than we actually are until we pause for a moment and look back and realize, holy cow, I have come so far and yet I'm not satisfied. So how do I be satisfied with how far I've actually come? That's good. Did you, uh, did, did I tell you that along the way or where did, where did that come from? <laughs> We might have heard that from a mutual friend of ours who also happened to join your podcast. So you've probably heard or you shared it with him. No, but that's that's great wisdom, uh, Amy, and something that we've seen, obviously, you live by and um, how you also help us, but help our peers as well. So um, it's not about how fast or slow. It's just are you still pointing in the right direction? So it's good. All right. So. Amy, this question is for you. As a RootWorks coach, coaching accounting firms, their owners, uh, people that work within firms, what does a day in the life for you look like? So as a coach, you know, our days are spent talking to primarily firm owners and people who are looking for a sounding board kind of like what you described, Marcus, just an extension of your leadership team and having somebody to bounce ideas off of. So we spend our days, all of our coaches over here, in talking with firm owners, listening to struggles, helping to pull out what is the action that they can take. Because sometimes as a firm owner, you're so close. You're so close to what's happening and there's so much going on and you feel overwhelmed and how are you going to get it all done? And just like doing a tax return is a puzzle that you put together, getting on a coaching call, I never know what, I, what to expect, but it's my job to listen and to ask questions and then to help pull out what is actually top priority item to focus on. And I don't know that answer going into it. I just know enough to be able to listen and ask questions. And that's ultimately what it is. So then when the call ends, it's just do this one thing. If you can get this one thing done, you will be farther forward than where you started. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You know, there's been a lot of learning as a coach, not all techniques work the same because everyone is different. And so, you know, have I pushed people sometimes too hard and it's backfired? Yes. I mean, it's all learning, good learning experience for both them and me, but it's really learning each particular client and what works best for them and how, how much you can put your hand on their back and push them. Um, or do you get in front and pull them a little bit or are you just walking alongside next to them? So, yeah. Do you give them a Kleenex or, <laughs> you know, do you push them? That's good. Yeah. 
Did um, I punch them or like am I nicer than that? Do you, do you slap the credit card out of their hand when they go to buy that next thing they don't need? And that's the, that's yes. the trick. So um, you mentioned, you know, the team that you work with. So it's not only you, it's also other coaches who are speaking to our peers who are business owners. Um, what does it look like as far as the, the background of the coaches? What is, what is it, you know, what is the ideal background or education, continuing education, things like that, that go into making a fully well-rounded coach? Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately the accounting industry, and this is probably true of other industries, but we're in the accounting industry. It's, it's just full of people who want to help, right? Is really what it is. Everyone just wants to help other people using the skills that they've been blessed with. So from a coach standpoint, you know, what I look for in a coach is somebody who's willing to go above and beyond to help. You don't have to know all of the answers. You just have to know how to use your resources in order to be able to share insight with the client that you're working with, the accounting firm that you're working with. Um, having knowledge of the accounting industry is ideal and also having worked inside of an accounting firm because there's something there's something very powerful understanding what our accounting firm members are going through by actually having been in the trenches and seeing what it looks like in a smaller public accounting firm versus a larger firm yeah i think that's great i mean we see that even on our side as we're coaching business clients, not necessarily accounting firms, but just having that empathy, if you've been in a seat like that before, been in that environment before to know those pain points, what's really at the root of the problem, what can we solve for, how quick can we solve for that versus something else that's more long-term. But that, that does go a long way, is just having that experience and being able to speak to someone on their level. So what's, what's your favorite part of your days um, as as a coach? I think it's the conversations. You know, it's a relationship-based industry because the majority of new clients coming in are referrals from other clients, right? You're building relationships with consultants in the space who are bringing in clients into the accounting firm. It's all relationship-based. So I love I love having conversations with people and hearing about what's happening in the firm, what's happening in life. You know, it's not always a professional conversation. There is some personal conversations that happen. That's just natural as we blend work and life together. So I, I appreciate hearing people when they, when they do the hard thing and they make the step forward or they get out of their own way. Like a lot of the time you just, you're in your own way. You're in your own head. There's too much going on. You can't like let it go and really think about and gain clarity over what you want. And so when somebody is able to get clarity, it's exhilarating. It, it keeps the wind in my sails and it keeps me going, which is great. Yeah. That's good. And I'm sure that those conversations, just those touch points that are, are hard to, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at like scale, like relationships are hard to scale because you want to go deeper and you want to ultimately have a relationship with that person. And we can only maintain so much as humans, 
those probably build upon and carry you throughout the day. All the other things that are not so fun, like the internal maybe meetings or Teams chats or emails, all the paperwork that has to go along with uh, what our lives look like in a professional setting. Yeah, definitely you are spot on from a scalability standpoint. I think there's a rule of only being able to maintain 150 relationships, right, very well. And so anything greater than that becomes obviously difficult. You know, there's a lot of note taking and tracking of what was discussed, super important, because then it looks like you remember everything when in fact you just are really good at taking notes, which I'm really good at taking notes. Uh, there's webinar creation, right? As we're talking with firm owners, we're, we essentially have the time and the capacity to create things that they don't have time to create, right? Which is, you know, some of that is heads down, creation of resources, developing webinar content, deciding what types of sessions we want to do at events. So that's all fun and we get to work together over on our team of all of our coaches and our trainers and our instructional designers, right? That's fun to work together, but it definitely is uh, fills your cup to yeah. talk to our firm owners. Yeah. So. Tell us about, I guess, you know, we always try to build into tell us if you look back on your career at RootWorks the last 10 years, is there something that like sticks out to you or one success story that it's like, I'm just so thankful to be a part of that um, where, and it doesn't have to be us, uh, but I'm just, I'm just saying if you don't say it's us. <laughs> this podcast really might not get no 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 (laughs) right i'm like wait okay okay no no this is not a trick question but but you know to get through the the long days and you know some of the overtime and the weekends and things like that to really show that you do make a difference because i have those in my own personal career where it's easy to reflect on so do you have one of those just keeping confidential and don't you know include names unless you feel led to so so yes I do have one of them in fact I'm speaking to this firm today um right now on this podcast (laughs) I'm blushing you know so. (laughs) so um you guys are amazing and I think my favorite part about working with the two of you is that you you still do but in the beginning you got stuff done Like there weren't excuses as to why you couldn't do it, which is so common, right? It's so common to be like, I can't for whatever reason, maybe it's fear. You, we, we talked and you asked questions and I asked you questions and then there was action that needed to be taken and then you just executed on it. And was it always perfect? No. Did you run into some speed bumps along the way? Yes, but you guys just kept going. And that was incredible to watch. It was incredible from when you first started, right? And you had how many annual clients when you first started? Uh, Yeah, when you probably um, deep into, like when we started really using coaching, it was probably 2000 plus, you know, and that's brutal. And now we're down to, 
like you said, that Dunbar rule of 150, we're at like 125. So we've got capacity to add some additional relationships there and we're monitoring that capacity wise. But yeah, whenever you met us at our, uh, some would say highest amount of clients, but lowest uh, in a lot of other terms in the firm. Yeah, it was 2000 plus. Yeah. Yeah. And that was Rachel, you had just started, right? You had just finished up being teacher of the year and then deciding to leave teaching to work with Marcus. And yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that some people, you know, make excuses about not doing things, kind of afraid of change. And I think the two of us were more afraid of failing. So we like hung on every word, like this is, this is how we make this work. And we're not going to miss a step because this is how it's going to work. If we follow this plan, it has to work. And so that was kind of the thing of like, no, we're going to do everything in our power to make this work. And if it's not working once we've given it a chance, you know, like our best effort and our best consistency, then we can, you know, make adjustments or change the plan of attack. But until we've given it like consistent effort, we're not, we're not deviating from whatever the plan was. Obviously we were paying for this service. So if we meet, we're giving time, plus we were giving money. So it's like, why would we not follow kind of the advice that was set out or the plan that was set out for us. Yeah, I think what was important too, though, with you guys is having the support system that you have, right? In that you were together doing this and it doesn't have to be, you know, not every firm has a married couple at the helm of it, but just the fact that you had somebody else there with you helping to push forward, which I think is where, you know, sole owners who maybe don't have someone that they can lean on or a good support system, they can still make progress and make amazing things happen. It's just a little bit harder. And I think that's true with anything in life, right? If you're going at it alone, it's going to take more effort uh, yourself than to be able to lean on somebody else to help you. Yeah. And I think for DBA and where we were at that stage of life, um, and continue to be, I think it wasn't the fear of change necessarily. It was almost the fear of staying the same. So what would life have looked like if we stayed the same? And it was those amount of hours, those amount of clients, everything that you were just juggling at that point as leaders in a business. And that to me was much more fear um, than change. Do you see, Amy, that other firms that don't have um, a couple or maybe even parents, I know in the accounting industry, it's a lot of uh, parents and then children come in and become partners. So people who don't have that close of a relationship and their soul kind of leading their team, do you see them tapping other people, the successful, the ones who are able to make the change uh, maybe at a, a little bit quicker of a pace? Are they tapping people within their firm to help? Yeah, I think the, the firms that are most successful have leaders who recognize that they aren't good at everything and therefore they need to lean on people who are, I don't want to say better, but have more strength in the areas where the firm owner may be lacking a little bit. If 
If you can recognize that and then recognize the people in your firm who actually can assist there and giving them the empowerment to do so, then yes, significant change can happen at a faster pace and with less, with less backwards motion, right? I mean, backwards motion is always going to happen, but everyone's not good at everything, nor do you have to be. I think that's one of the biggest things I've realized in my journey as a coach is just recognizing when to get out of the way. Just get out of the way. You don't have to be the one doing it. Specifically, when I think of that, I think of um, firm, firm owners bringing in non-ideal clients, right? Because they can't say no. Because it's hard to say no, because we want to please everybody. And so, like, they're going to pay me money, and therefore I want to do it. But everybody in the firm's like, please do not take them on. They're, we have to do everything a different way than the process we've set up. Well, if I'm not, as a firm owner, if I'm not good at saying no, then I shouldn't be in charge of saying yes or no. Put somebody else there who can say no, you know, or even in some firms there's um, collection, right? We need to get paid. And sure, there's ways to get around having to deal with AR and let's get them on a monthly plan and ACH and all that, right? But if we have someone in the firm who needs to make phone calls, to collect payment, they better have a really good backbone. And if they don't, it's okay. Don't put them in charge of that, right? It's just recognizing, it's recognizing people's strengths on your team, whatever the size of your team is. I appreciate your, uh, I guess, thoughts on DBA and us personally. Um, we don't invite every podcast uh, guest on, uh, hoping for uh, kudos or anything like that, but I do appreciate it. Um, I think part of our journey and being willing to change was just that we were dumb young kids. And, and I think the other part is our age when we started the firm, we didn't have as much to lose as we do now. And so I think you look at where we're at now with the team that we have and the revenue we have and, and the families that we're in care of internally, but then also on the client side externally from DBA, those relationships as well. And so given where we were previously, do you also see a correlation where we had less to lose? So it didn't matter if we made a mistake, we could easily catch ourselves, you know, make it look like it was an experiment as I would like to call a lot of stuff uh, and just kind of stumble back through and pick it back up and start running again. So do you see that or am I kind of like off basis and just how I'm thinking about it? I think that, I think there's definitely something there. I do think it is mental perspective though, right? Um, because everything, regardless of size, so there is more at stake, yes. There was a lot at stake back then too. It just felt different because of where you are now. But back then, right, You it was heavy and was it going to work, but you didn't want to stay where you were. So I guess there is some truth to that, but at the same time, it's it's all a learning experience. Life is a learning experience. Yeah. 
It's yeah. And, and I, you know, I left the firm and started DBA at like 28, 29. And I'm so thankful I did. And so I know that when I'm talking to peers in the industry who maybe did the same thing 20 years later, I, I have to put myself in their shoes, probably very similar to you because they're just in a different situation than I was then. And some of the things that I take for granted and some of the coaching that you may have given me can't be given to them or in the right or in the same um, manner, I guess is where I would say. Yeah, it's definitely meeting people where they're at, right? And understanding what is the change they wanna make. Cause even if you started it 20 years later, there's still the same mentality that you guys had, that you didn't want to keep doing it the same way you were doing it because you knew that you didn't like that path that you were on. It's the same thing 20 years later. If you're on a path right now and you don't like that path, then you have the ability to control the choices that you make to take you down a different path. And so it's still, it's, it's, releasing the fear mentality not that you guys were afraid well you guys weren't afraid of change you were afraid of staying on the same path right and so similar similar wherever you are on your journey there's always going to be a fear mentality hanging back there a little bit like what if because our team is so large now what if we try a new business venture and it fails and now we're going to have to potentially let people go or we're not going to be able to make payroll or right the the heaviness of those decisions still exists but it's it's just a larger digit a larger number of zeros yeah. on the back end right but it's it's just money well yeah you can always make more or at least that's what i say but um the way I, I think about it, and I've learned this from you, is uh, what other opportunities are you passing up because you're choosing to stay the same? And, and that's really where we could have easily stayed with 2,000 relationships, but the opportunities that we took advantage of by exiting those relationships and kind of getting a better business model and leaning into that and wanting deeper relationships we had to let go of the past or what we had been doing in the past to go after those new opportunities, which we weighed uh, how much those opportunities worth and what our life could look like. And that's what we went after. So, um, and you know, that's part of both of you kind of being hands in the back. I mean, you know, to, to me in some manner. So, um, but that's great. I, we didn't mean to go down a DBA uh, rabbit hole there. Um, yes, we so ho hopefully DBA is not the answer to the next question. So we've <laughs> talked about, um, what success stories, what kind of keeps you going? What is the most frustrating part of your experience? Just the most frustrating type of client. Can I go there? Yeah. Yeah. From a coaching relationship would just be someone who who thinks that they want to change but they actually don't want to change they say all of the right things but they don't yet believe that they are capable of doing it and 
I'll say frustrating in not a bad way. It's frustrating because you see potential. Like I see potential in them. I see that they can actually do this. And then it becomes a challenge to figure out how I help them see it in themselves. And so while it's frustrating that action isn't happening and so every Every call we get on, it's didn't get anything done, didn't get anything done, excuse, 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 right? And then I'm like, okay, that tactic didn't work. Let's try this one. Do I need to schedule emails to land in your inbox every week until the next time that we talk, right? Just different things. So it's also though, and I think this is true in a lot of areas, it's, when the time is right some people aren't ready for it yet and so they want to be ready and they're trying to grasp at what do they need to do differently in order to get there but it, there is a things happen at the time that they need to happen and just being open and ready for when that time comes yeah if that makes sense no it does and i think so many people to be ready the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the perceived pain of change of whatever steps forward that need to happen and a lot of people just have to get to that point for us it was easy because the pain of staying the same meant that our kids grew up as like orphans like who can help pick the kids up who can help stay with the girls who can help like marcus marcus and i were both working every day, all hours of the day. And yeah, we could get them maybe to like feed them at night and get them in a bath, but then we were back to working. So for us, that was an easy because it directly impacted people. So it wasn't even from a, it was definitely not from a monetary standpoint. That um, is usually not going to be what gets at least accounting firms to change from one way of doing things to the next, because a lot of times they're okay. They're okay from a monetary standpoint. They're okay from a profit standpoint. And so just getting to like the next revenue mark maybe isn't enough for them because the profit margin of their current revenue mark is good. And maybe the pain that they're feeling currently doesn't really feel like pain because it's all they've ever known. So they just think it's normal. Yeah. Um, talking to that monetary mark, like when we had over 2000 clients, we were doing really well um, financially um, and the margins on tax are excellent. Um, the problem was I was probably at my highest weight, lowest amount of sleep, was about to have to go on medicine for like high cholesterol and high blood pressure in like my mid thirties. So like, what would it look like to be on that stuff for the next 30, 40 years, if I even lasted that long, doing the same thing that I was doing. So it just, you have to trade like, okay, that financial piece, which I know that most like privilege, right? You know, like talking how we had made it financially, um, trading that for some of the non-financial or non-monetary pieces that go to a more fulfilled life where we're at today, where I, my, my cholesterol is lower. My weight is lower depending on the day and the morning. So, um, but overall, you know, just a more well-balanced life with better relationships with fewer relationships too. So, um, I think that kind of goes to, 
it, it, it may actually be trading something like, I think sometimes higher financial reward for a more balanced life. Yeah, for a time period. For a time period, yeah. And ultimately <laughs> value as well, like what, you know, in our space, what an accounting firm that only does tax, what that's worth today versus what it will be 10 years from now is different. So I think those are the shifts that you try to talk to people where they're at. And any, Amy, any good pointers on how you have like, like cracked that nut to kind of get someone to see what a better outcome could be than the one that they're on? I think the one that opens eyes the most is actually running through, crunching through numbers, right? Because this is what we do inside of this accounting industry. But to take a firm through what do you want bottom line to be, work your way all the way back up to top line, and then how many clients does that actually have to be, right? When it sounds great and a lot of my clients will, yeah, that sounds great, we'll look at that, right? But never sit down and do it. And the ones who have sat down and have actually gone through that and realized that they were at 2000 clients and if they pared that down to 200, they could keep top line revenue where they wanted it and be able to have a better health work life balance right and so that that's been the most eye-opening for people only because it's number based right we can we can interpret numbers sometimes to think a little bit deeper about what are we like feelings and what do we want out of life like that's harder to put your finger on sometimes than it is to run through that calculation and then to map it out after you do it, right? Okay, this is where you want, you know you're not getting there tomorrow. So what do you need it to look like next year? What do you need it to look like three years from now? Yeah, no, that's really good. I, you know, we, we keep coming back to this Dunbar concept, that 150 relationships, and that has really helped me and helped me help others think through like relationships and capacity. If, if we know that that 150 has been proven, then why do we have anything family relationships above that? So, you know, what we've done in our firm is group, you know, like groups. We do a lot more than 150 tax returns because there's like family relationships or business family relationships. So um, that's something that all firms can do and use that as their baseline. And whether that's 150 per partner or 150 for the whole organization, I mean, that's their call. But um, yeah, I think that's an easy way to kind of show value to somebody who knows numbers and values financial data. Absolutely. Amy, is there anything, any commonalities between the firm owners who don't make progress as quickly or who never choose to make progress at all? Are there any things that are kind of the same amongst those ones who will say, Oh, we won't call them a failure, but that never, never decide that they're ready to move forward. So to continue doing what they're doing, they're okay with it. And maybe it's because they, that's all they've ever known. Typically it's too busy. I'm too busy and I don't have mental capacity to think about 
delegating out anything to be less busy because delegation requires more time from me in order to delegate, right? And so I think it's it's being stuck in that mentality that I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And then before you know it, it's 10 years later and you're still working 80 hours a week around the clock and yeah. I think that would be best summarized there. They can't get out of their own way. Maybe their skin's too thick. Like they become too calloused to the work that they do. And that's what we're seeing with younger people coming in that don't want that calloused, you know, um, perspective on ADR work weeks. It's all they've ever known. So therefore, they don't feel they are allowed to experience anything different. Yeah, that's that's good, but sad. Uh, you know, really, really at the end of the day. Um, and I think so. the thing that Amy, you and your team work to change, us and our team work to change that in other industries for small business owners so that they are not killing themselves or killing their people um, and then just constantly frustrated with themselves that this business that they took a risk to create doesn't look like what they had hoped it would look like in the end. Yeah. And I think, you know, Amy and her team do a really good job at getting to know the individual or the firm that they're working with. Um, obviously, DBA could be seen as like something people want to aspire to. Um, you know, there are a ton of small wins that are within these firms, whether it's going from 80 to 70 hours, like that's a win, you know, it's 10, 10 hours. Or uh, some of our friends that are mutual, like taking half day Fridays and then it goes into full day Fridays just in the summer months, like that's not the CPA firm of 10, 20, 30 years ago. Like, so I think you do have to go individual first and really try to add value there, which you and your team do a really, really good job at. Just small steps. That's all we want. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast this morning, spending some time with us, um, just kind of talking about what it looks like to be a good coach. Uh, I can say that because we've experienced it with you. I think the way that you are able to number one, just listen, that you really listen intently to people. And I love the fact that you mentioned that you listen to not just what's happening in their business, or even sometimes it's like a, a gripe session where people are just venting all of their frustrations to you, but asking about their family and asking about things that are important to them and bring them joy outside of the office so that you can figure out how to get them to want to change, to be able to do more of those things that are enjoyable, to spend more of their day doing the things that they enjoy, and then breaking it down into small, manageable steps so that they can take action, see a result, find a little bit more motivation to do it again and again and again, until they get to the point where they could say, I do have the business that I wanted to create. I don't have where I spend, you know, 
90% of our coaching phone call complaining about things not going how I want them to go um, and can actually spend the majority of the time talking about what are we doing next to get even better. So I love that. I love that we've had the opportunity to work with you all these years. Um, and again, just thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being great clients and very coachable. You guys are awesome. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. Uh, we'll try not to make any of our coaching calls like a 90% vent session. And again, just trying to talk through <laughs> what we're doing to continue to make DBA and ourselves better and better. Sounds great, you guys. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Okay. All right. Bye. See ya. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.